0: Had this wedding last night and uh, by the time the, the, the sermon part got done in the evening, pictures got done uh, and had the, uh, had the meal, I was ready to leave and go home. Uh, it was approaching eight o'clock and I knew we had an, uh, an over an hour drive to get back and uh, my wife had gone, my wife and I had gone on a four and a half mile hike over at Standing Stone uh, Park. During the day yesterday, and uh, so I was ready to get home, and uh, but I need some prayers because I made a big mistake. I started trying to pressure my wife into taking me home and uh, getting getting me home because on Sunday nights when I know I have to preach. Now I'll be turning forty in March. What that means is now when I know I have to get up and preach on Sunday, that means on Saturdays I prefer to be home no later than 7. That's really pushing it. That's really a late night for me if it's past 7 on Saturday. Like that thumbs up from the 60-year-old right over here. That's good. And I like to be home and and kind of be getting ready, right? So it's 8 o'clock. We're still there. And I'm I'm telling them, you know, this is a young crowd and young people. And it's like, I'm ready to to leave. I'm ready to go home. And and, uh, my wife said, we have stayed here for a day and a half, and we're not leaving till I get some wedding cake. <laughs> so you can sit right there. And it was quiet, but it was communicated deathly to me that we were not leaving. And uh, I want you to know uh, Brehab, I don't know if he's here today or not Rehab's not he's probably still up there partying who knows what he's doing but he was at the wedding and, and uh, was sitting at the table with us some of you know him and he's the guy with a, a beard like Moses if you see him sitting back there and Brehab and was at the table and uh, I was ready to go and Brehab knew I was ready to go and get home and so praise the Lord for Brehab. he got up and walked right up there and got some cake and brought it back and gave my wife a piece. And we had our cake and got that done. And then it was time to leave. And, and lo and behold, I realized I haven't, I haven't taken the forms to them yet. They have to sign to make this thing legal. And so I had to get their attention to do all this. And while I'm trying to do this, my wife leans over and she goes, Brie, I've got my cake. Nobody saw me go up there. I can get a second piece. And she did. She got not one, but two pieces of wedding cake so uh so by the time we got back and everything it was uh kind of a kind of a late night and i and i decided actually uh the vast majority of my messages are what you would call expository we take the word of god we open it and we teach what that text teaches and i really believe probably 90 percent of preaching should be that way and i believe that because we all have hobby horses we all have things that we just want to talk about I definitely believe for young preachers, and we have some of our church, uh, I believe it is toxic for young preachers to not learn how to preach that way because they definitely, when you're young, you think you know everything and you think you've got the answers for everything. And and if you get started on topics, uh, that that usually, honestly, does not go well. And, And so I had good mentors that taught me, hey, you need to learn to just teach what the Bible teaches and let that be the foundation. And once you've shown as an apprentice that you can do that, then you kind of earn the right to take some topics and talk about them because there are things that need to be uh, addressed. Well, this is not a controversial topic today. It's more of a, 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 I think the first hymn in our songbook is an ode to joy, which is just a song to the glory of the Lord and His creation and what He's done. And so yesterday, as we went on the hike, I'd kind of already been thinking about this. And as my wife and I went on the hike, and the air was crisp and cool, and you could you could start to see some leaves starting to try to change. You could see this shift in God's creation. Praise the Lord, there was not a single mosquito out yesterday on the hike. Not one. And you could feel the change in the air. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to take and change my topic. We're going to move from Acts this Sunday. We'll go back to Acts next week. I thought, I want to take a Sunday. And I want us to listen to what the Word of God says. And learn from the Word of God. But also today, I want us to think about general revelation. Which is God's creation. And I want us to think about some things that we can learn this autumn. And I think God wants you to know some things about Himself that He has built into the universe itself. So let's read together. We're going to do a little different this Sunday, and we do more most Sundays. We're going to just go ahead and read first, and we're going to read in Psalm 104. So I want you to turn to Psalm 104. I'm going to read part of this passage, and then I'm going to pull one verse out that kind of is going to set the topic for today's message. And really, what I want us to do. Whether you feel good today or whether you feel bad today, whether it's been the best week or the worst week, I want us to honor God as we contemplate what He has made for us, what He has created for us, All right. So, Psalm 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God. If you're glad He's your God, say Amen. My God, you are very great, thou art very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who covers yourself, what's God dressed with? With light as with a garment. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Who lays the beams of His chambers in the waters. Who makes the clouds His chariot. Who walks upon the wings of the wind. Who makes His angels, spirits, His ministers a flaming fire who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. You, not, not me, not you, not us, not any other power that's out there. You, thou coverst it with the deep. He covered this earth as the deep was with a garment. And the waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke they fled. At The voice of your thunder they hasted or they hurried away. They go up by the mountains, they go down into the valleys. The waters recede from the mountains and they they go down. They make the the streams and the rivers. What does he say? He says, they go up by the mountains, but go down by the valleys in the place which you have founded for them. You have set a bound that they may not pass over. They turn not again to cover the earth. We know the power of water through the hurricanes that have hit Florida and we've seen the destruction and what a destructive power they are. Uh, But God has decreed that as powerful as they are and the damage they do, that He will place a limit upon that. He sends the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. Boy, back there uh, hiking uh, in the backwoods yesterday. And those little mountain streams that would come down those hollers, and my wife and I, you know, just just enough of a the water there that you could you could walk up the, you know, with the hiking boots on, you could walk up back into the holler, and uh, think about all the people that had been there before throughout the ages that had maybe gone to that holler over the years. And he says those little streams that are hidden back in the hills. He said, God, you made the great waters, and you put them there, but you also put these little hidden. Streams, these little hidden springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heavens have their habitation which sing among the branches. What we were going through hiking yesterday and we heard a little... And Lord, and I stopped. I said, is that a woodpecker we never could find it, But like it's some kind of some kind of bird up in the trees. God says, you made, the writer says, God, you made these great waters, but you also made these little streams that make sure that water is not not just comes to those that can get to the big oceans, but you've you've provided for your creation these little streams so that the wild animals themselves can go and can drink and can live. Verse 11, you give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his chambers, and the earth is satisfied. The earth itself is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He, God, God causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Wine that makes glad the heart of man. And oil to make his face to shine. And bread which strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon which He had planted. Where the birds make their nest. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the coonies. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows His going down. You make darkness and it is night wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun arises and they gather themselves together And they lay them down in their dens. Man goes forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. But O Lord, how manifold! How many are Your works! In wisdom You have made them all. And the earth is full of Your riches. Verse 19, He appointed the moon for seasons and the sun knows His going down. On Friday, you could feel the crispness in the air here in Cookville. And as we headed over into Overton County and then up into the the hollers of Pickett County, you could feel the cool cool air that was taking over the upper Cumberland. As my wife and I rode uh, Friday and then got out, and this was an outside wedding, and so we were outside Friday night, and then Saturday, I was reminded that autumn brings a mix of emotions for me and probably you too. The shortened daylight, I don't really like, but the early weeks of autumn are some of my favorite times of the year. Fall festivals, we'll get to go to the hammocks, and uh, what a wonderful event on our church calendar to be able to go and to celebrate. And, and I love being there for the food and the fellowship, but what I most love is to watch the children that play and the joy uh, that you will see if you go next week. I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're kind of feeling down and depressed and, and life's been difficult, I want to encourage you to come to that fall festival because your heart will be filled with joy as you watch it, the smiles on the faces of those children. If that's the truth, say amen. Love it. Love the fall festivals. In some places, this is apple picking time. There's apple cider. There's pumpkin spice. Now, unfortunately, in our commercialized age, pumpkin spice has gone crazy. My wife has pumpkin spice cereal. Uh, not just one brand. There's pumpkin spice Cheerios. There's pumpkin, pie, pumpkin spice Life cereal. I mean, but even that, I'm not. I'm not gonna let this overkill on pumpkin spice kill the fact that I enjoy it. Fall festival, apple pickings, pumpkin spice apple cider. Kids dressed up to get candy. The crisp autumn air. On the four and a half mile hike yesterday, uh, it was the perfect weather for a hike. Because you really did not sweat very much. Now, I almost killed myself, which should not surprise you at this point. But I didn't sweat a lot. Uh, but we came to this one part on the hike where you know how when you're going up these, these mountains... These huge hills, they'll, build, they'll make the trail where it wraps around. You know, the, tra- the trail's kind of working its way around, so you don't have to go straight up. But you know, you go on these hikes in these parks, and you'll come to that place where you see how it's going to take you forever to go around, but you see where somebody, somebody had decided, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to take a shortcut, and you can see where just barely the grass and leaves have been beaten down, where somebody decided they would go straight up, straight up, instead of going on the path. Well, we'd been walking and walking yesterday, and we got to one of those places. And knowing that I'm about to turn 40, and, and, and all that that means, and my ankle injuries that Tucker made fun of me for last week, and my body breaking down, I got to that, and I thought, I'm going to go up this way. I'm going up this way. And I did. But when I got to the top, there was a long extended pause when I got there. In fact, my shortcut was so short, that my wife, who went the long way around, I, 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 I wore her out. I beat her by about that much getting to the top. I'm panting. Not really sweating because it's cold, but I'm panting. And my wife looked at me and she said, Charles, we're not dating anymore. You don't, you don't have to impress me. I'm thinking, baby, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to prove something to myself. weather was perfect for a hike. Very very little, I mean, didn't, didn't sweat much at all. And it was a long hike up and down hills. Autumn is wonderful. But it's also a sad time of year. The warmth of summer begins to disappear. The flowers and the foliage dry up and die. The fields where the crops grow full will soon be barren and bare. Trees become stark. As one writer has said, this time of year, trees become stark like gray skeletons against a gray and mist-laden sky. Cold weather, like an annoying co-worker or an unwanted relative who won't leave, creeps in and is going to stay with us for several months. So there is a sadness. But in the midst of the joy and the sadness God has made autumn to bring its own splendor and wisdom to those who look and see. One of my favorite autumn poems is by Robert Frost. And in one of his autumn-related poems, he recounts how he spent all of an autumn day picking bushels and bushels of apples from his orchard. The abundant harvest he had hoped for had become almost too much He had worked himself down, tired and weary, ready for a good rest. The Bible speaks to us and reveals to us of two kinds of revelation. Special revelation and natural revelation. Special revelation is the Word of God, known as direct revelation where God speaks to us directly. In the Bible, He did this through dreams and prophecies. And we have the written Word where there's a direct Word from God. And rightly so, the church spends 90% of its time on this special revelation, making known this special Word to God, to His people. But natural or general revelation is important as well, as books like Psalms remind us. And we need to pay attention to the lessons that God would teach us through the natural order of His world. In fact, I would submit this. To people like myself and especially to my children who will probably spend all uh, of their life living in suburban life or city life with the disappearance of farming more and more from our area, it is very, very important that we pause, stop, remove ourselves to the natural world that God made to think and reflect and see what He has baked into the universe that He wants us to know. We need to pay attention. Fathers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, listen to me, you have a very important task. Especially to children like mine who grew up in the city. You must not let them be ignorant of what God has revealed through the created world. One of the lessons we learn from autumn is that everyone and everything needs a time of rest. I want to share with you four lessons from autumn today. And the first one is this, everyone and everything needs a time of rest. We know from Genesis 2, verses 2-3, through 3, that by the seventh day, God finishes His work. He finishes the work of creation. And on the seventh day, He rests from all His work. God blessed the seventh day. Made it holy. Because on that day He rested from all the work He had created and that He had done. And this was a witness to us. A witness baked into creation itself. That we are not God. We cannot just keep going and going and going. We were made and created to rest. And so Robert Frost writes of picking the apples. And he picks and picks and picks but cannot get the work done. In this rat race of a life, we must learn that God made us for work, but He also made us for rest. Rest, Sabbath, is important for God's creation and God's people. During autumn, creation itself, a lot of it goes into a sort of period of rest. Now, there's still activity, uh, but it slows down on the whole, on the whole. Creation slows down. The fields lie fallow. Some of the wildlife hibernates. And autumn would teach us a lesson that God wants us to know that we too must rest. Autumn is a reminder for those who read the revelation that Sabbath is a day of rest that is built into a proper working world. Sabbath is needed to feed the spiritual part of all of us time of rest to observe the world and to hear the word that God would speak from that world to us. It is not special revelation but it is general. But Psalms teaches us that we need that word too. At the same time we rest we realize that there are things that don't get done. In Frost's poem after apple picking, he lies in bed trying to sleep through but he can't sleep. Because his mind runs as he thinks of all the apples that he didn't get, that should have been picked, that he should have gotten and and picked up. He regrets that he can't do it, that he can't get them, that they won't be picked. Those few apples will have to go. He couldn't do everything that he needed to do. But now is the time for rest. Some people in this world are lazy. But many of you in this room are not in danger of laziness. You're in danger of constantly focusing on the things that you didn't get done and the things that need to get done, that you miss the Word that God has for you now. I should be doing this. I should have done that. I've got to do this. And I want to let you in on a little secret. As a pastor, I understand this all too well. I've had to learn what all pastors have to do. There will always be a phone call you should have made. There will always be a visitor you should have visited. There will always be books and articles that should have been read. There will always be prayers that should have been prayed. But Whether you're a pastor or a layperson, there comes a time when God expects you to say, enough is enough. and Now is a time of rest. As with frost laying awake and thinking about the apples that should have been picked, all of us, all of us go through seasons of life where we lay awake and we obsess about the many, many important things that we have to do. You may have the same experience, but autumn is a word from God, a way of saying enough is enough. I made the fields to lie fallow, to rest, and so... Must you. If you are glad that God has given us the gift of rest, say Amen. Then use it. Especially those of you who find it so hard to slow down and stop and to take a Sabbath day. Rest. We learn from autumn, the season that God made, that everyone and everything needs a rest. But we also learn as we rest As autumn slows down, we learn from autumn that everyone needs a rest. But we also learn from this season that God made that there is a need for preparation. Even in the resting, there is a need for preparation. Autumn begins uh, right as this season of rest starts. And creation calls for us during autumn to prepare for winter, which will come after autumn. Creation calls for us during the autumn season to make preparations for the winter that is to come. We are to continue the role that Adam and Eve were given in the garden to make this earth fruitful. And a part of that is preparation during autumn for the winter. winter. This means the, the fields of potatoes and pumpkins and apples need to be brought in. a preparation for winter days means bringing in the food. Now, we may not farm or most of us may not make a a, a livelihood like that anymore, but in our lives, we must prepare as well. On Sunday, it is important to remember that there is a spiritual preparation in your life. The general revelation of autumn asks, are you ready for the winter? Because it is coming. Are you prepared for the difficult days that are sure to come in the months and days ahead? Right now, there are those that are dealing with Diagnosis from doctors that are not encouraging. There are those whose relationships are on the rocks. There are those that are deeply worried about school. We see all the tumult of the world around us. The Bible warns us that we need to rest, but we also need to prepare. Spiritually, spiritually, do not waste days like these when we gather to sing and to praise to read God's Word. Because what the Sabbath day of rest is, this day of worship is, it's a day of stopping, reflecting, and spiritually feasting on what God has and taking in what God has, harvesting what God has for you so that through the rest of the week and the rest of the months, for the rest of the year, what you have taken in will sustain you. So are you prepared for the difficulties to come? Are you laying aside spiritual provisions Are you laying them aside in store so they can support you when the cold winds of life blow and the world starts reeling around you? When the sudden illness strikes or the unexpected death of a loved one occurs or the financial disaster visits, have you prepared yourself spiritually so that your soul will be sustained? Have you given thought to? Have you considered what Some theologians call the big questions of life that center around meaning and purpose, especially when you are ill and suffering. Have you considered that winter will come for you? And that one day, if God tarries, you will face the journey of death. Are you meeting in your place? Are you responsible to your church, your family of faith? For what I have seen is those that support others, sustain others, that walk with others to the journey of church, it is those who find when winter comes for them that their spiritual family gathers and comes and supports. But there are too many that do not prepare, they do not put in the time or the effort, they do not take a Sabbath day which is for both rest and preparation, they do not stop and they face the end all alone. Ultimately there is one big question of preparation. And Jesus spoke about this importance of preparation. He did this in Luke chapter 12. Would you turn there? And look to Luke 12 and let's listen to what Jesus has to say about preparation. Autumn reminds us to be prepared. That there's a preparation that must occur because winter is coming. So The potatoes and the pumpkins and the apples must come in. But Jesus reminds us of another preparation. And this is a preparation for the coming of God. This is a direct Word from God. This is that special revelation where God reminds us of what we all must be prepared for. The the Bible is clear. Verse 34 of chapter 12, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let your loins be girded about. What does that mean? So they wore robes. The men wore robes in the days of Jesus. And if you had to get somewhere in a hurry, you would hike the robes up to your loins, to your thigh. And you would, they, were, they were made so you could either hike them and carry them, or you could tie them off. So it would kind of be like wearing a pair of shorts. You had to get a hurry somewhere, they would hike their robes up. So that they could run. So that they could sprint. So Preston, you probably like that. So they could hike them up. So they could take off and go as fast as they could go. He says, listen, you need to, at all times, when it comes to the coming of the Lord, you need to be so ready that your loins are girded. You have, you have, on, you have on those running shorts and you're ready to take off. You're ready to go. You're ready. You're ready. You need to have, He uses another imagery. You need to have your lights burning. It's not dark because the light's on, because you're waiting for this visitation from God. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves be like unto men that wait for their Lord, for their Master, when he will return from the wedding. that when he comes and knocks, that you may open unto him immediately. You are waiting for his return. Verse 37 Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. There's this mutual expectation that God is expecting and exciting about coming to be with us, but we must be girded. We must be ready. We must be watching. We must be prepared for His come. Verse 36, knock and they may open unto Him immediately. Blessed are those servants, verse 37, whom the Lord when He comes shall find watching. For truly I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down, to meet, to a meal, and will come forth and serve them. And if He shall come in the second watch, or in the third watch, so second shift, third shift, doesn't matter. Blessed are those servants. If He finds them ready, finds them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, if the goodman of the house, the servant of the house had known what hour the thief would come, the man or the husband would have known when the thief was coming. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken through. But you therefore are ready also for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. Winter is coming. And there will come a day when it is no longer autumn, but it is the winter season. And so, Autumn reminds us generally and Jesus tells us specifically and directly that preparation means walking, trusting, looking, waiting for our Lord. So, Autumn teaches us some important lessons about life, some things that you and I need to know and that we need to remember. We need to know that everyone and everything needs a time of rest, We need to know and we learn from the general revelation of autumn that there is a need for preparation. But thirdly, we learn from the seasons that God made. We learn that change is inevitable. Next week again, we'll have the Hammock Fall Fun Fest. And if it goes just right, if God allows it to go just right, the day will be cool, but not unbearably cold. The sky, if it... Plays out this way, the sky hopefully will be a deep autumn blue. On Sunday after church next week, Mark and Lauren will take the kids to go see the orange pumpkins that have piled up, and the children will all pick one. Maybe next week the leaves will be coming into their full colored glory. It would be great if it never changed. It'd be great if every day could be like that. But we know that it's not. The flowers die. The leaves turn brown and they fall and the beauty fades. And as much as we wish we could pause the world to stop our lives, we know that it will not. Ethan and Owen, if they're allowed, will grow up and. Leave home. Parents will grow old and they will pass away. And the physical beauty of youth fades just a little, just a little, until one day you recognize that you are old. The job is phased out. Or it comes time to retire from the profession that gave you meaning and purpose. Your best friend moves away. Things change. And some of us find the change difficult. The lesson of autumn is to remind us that change is a part of the cycle of life. The earlier in life that we accept this, that change is coming, the better prepared we will be For it. Some change is for the better. And until the Lord comes, some change will be for the worst. But we know the greatest change is to come. When for those who are trusting in the Lord, there will be a new body, a new strength. We will feast at His table. He will renew us. I cannot wait. I mean this from the heart of a pastor. This is from the the deepest part of a pastor's heart. There are some of you, and some that have passed on, that I cannot wait to see you in the new body that God has for you. No more pain. No more sickness. No more hunched back. No more weak knees. No more messed up ankles. Only the fullness and the glory of the first Adam and the first Eve, the way God wants you to be. If that is a reason to celebrate, say Amen. I know those of you that are a little bit younger, it'll take time, but you'll learn this lesson. You'll learn that the songs that talk about heaven, that talk about the change that occurs, that they're not to be laughed at or mocked. That's not all there is. We shouldn't just sing those songs. But we should sing them. Because it is a glorious promise that death will not win. It will not win. Good friend moves, life changes, and it is hard. And autumn reminds us to be ready, ready because winter is coming. And we must be ready to embrace and accept God's will for all the cycles of your life. So, what do we learn from the season of autumn? We learn that everyone and everything needs a time of rest. We learn that there is a need for preparations. We learn that change is inevitable and part of this world. We also learn from autumn to hold every day before us in the beauty of just that day. We learn from autumn that God wants you, even as you're preparing and resting, to enjoy today. Did you know that no two autumn days will be alike this year? No, no two days will be alike. In fact, no two days since all of the world was created have ever been exactly the same. The sky will be different tomorrow. The wildlife will come out in a different uh, sort of pattern tomorrow. Tomorrow. The leaves on the trees, even if we can't quite tell, they're already adjusting and changing. Not one day on God's earth has ever been the same. This is part of His power and majesty and strength that the psalmist is trying to get at that God is so powerful, so amazing, so glorious that when He paints His masterpiece, over this earth, He never repeats Himself. The sky will be different. The wildlife will be different. The leaves on the trees will be different as the colors change. Some of them will begin to fall to their death. Each autumn day this year is a reminder. A fresh invitation from the Creator to us to sit and enjoy the beauty of today for what it is. And we need this lesson. Not just in autumn, but every day of the year. We need to be reminded that every day holds its own peculiar blessing and beauty. Every day with your spouse. Every day with your children. Every day with your church family when you gather, every minute of every small group, every song that is sung, each moment of your life, there is a particular and peculiar beauty in that moment that God wants you, through the power of His Spirit, to be aware of and know. We often think of natural beauty in the season of autumn. But there are other beauties of life that we need to take note of. That we need to take thought of. Enjoy the beautiful smile of your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew. Engage in a meaningful conversation with someone when the opportunity presents itself. Take the time to enjoy a meal with a friend or a spouse. Don't be grumpy. Put a smile on your face when your wife stays for the second piece of wedding cake. Autumn should be enjoyed. The general revelation from autumn teaches us that God wants you to enjoy the beauty, the peculiar beauty of every day of this life that he has given you. So autumn is here. And we know that winter death is coming as well. But my friends, spring is around the corner. And spring is when we remember that what was once dead rises again. Because Jesus rose and conquered the grave. And all who are united with Jesus will rise as well. So take a rest from the rat race. Remember that your days are numbered. But make your preparation now. Turn from sin and place your future, your present, and all your hopes in Jesus. Trust in His death on the cross for your sin in the deepest winter that's ever been known. The moment when the glory and the the sun itself was blotted out because of what our sin had done. Know this winter as the autumn changes to winter and the coldness and the death comes. Know that there will never be as cold and as dark and as dreary As it is this winter, there will never be a day this winter that will be like that day when Jesus died on the cross and the sun itself went dark. And as you go through the winter, remember the spring. The spring of resurrection risen from the grave of death. Look to that for your hope, not just in autumn, but in every season of your life. Be prepared. Be resting in Jesus. Because He will come again. If you are glad that God has given us the seasons, say Amen. Do not ignore, the psalmist didn't. We don't worship creation. But as believers who have been given special revelation, we do, we do understand better how to look and see what God has baked in to this world. We're going to come and close with a song. I'm going to ask musicians to come. I know this is a different message. It's a message from my heart. I hope that came across. A message that I hope will help you like the psalmist wants us to, to this season. To look around you. To see. To enjoy it. But also to be prepared for the Lord who is coming. Maybe today you have not made your preparations. You can today. Today, embrace the gift of Jesus that God offers you. Maybe you've made that preparation, but you have forgotten to enjoy every day for the goodness that it is. Maybe the devil has got you so dialed into the rat race or so focused on what's not going right that you've you're missing out on what God wants for you to see and to know and to experience. Why don't you lay that burden down today? Why don't you ask the Lord to help you see through that burden what He wants you to know and experience. Whatever you need to do, listen, you do it before God today. Would you stand with me right now? Father God, I pray that You would use this message, that You would use this time, Lord, I pray that this is spoken to hearts and encouraged them. I, I don't know, but Lord, it's spoken to mine to think about these things, to talk about them, to listen to God's Word and to the world You've made. Lord, if there's one who needs to come for any reason, let them embrace this moment, this sacred moment in time as Your Spirit speaks to Your church. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name.